0: Dear Lord, thank you once again just for this time of year. Um, What a thing, Lord, that we celebrate. when We serve the only God who made it personal. We serve the only God who, who left his home in heaven to come down here and dwell among this sinful place, Lord, and show us how to live and give your life, Lord, so that we could be forgiven and clean and know this life that's called the Christian life. There's nothing like it in the world, Lord. It's hard to believe I didn't care anything about it at one time in my life. But now that I know and now that my eyes have been opened, Lord, I just thank you so much for it. And I just ask, Lord, as I preach your word, um, that you'll open our eyes so we can see, Lord, something we've never seen. I know we've all read this Christmas story so many times, but, but open our eyes, Lord, so that we can see something in it we've never seen before. Open our ears so that we can hear something maybe in a way we've never heard it before. Open up our minds, Lord, so we can understand it, Lord, and and, and know what to do with this information. And Lord, open up our hearts, Lord, so that we'll fall even more in love with you, Lord, because that's what you do. The angels keep crying, holy, 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 after all these years and centuries and millennia, because they find something else about you. And they just can't help it. They think they may know it all, but they just keep on raising, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. There's just no one like Him. So, Lord, give us that kind of revelation today. And, Lord, let us leave saying, Surely the presence of the Lord was in that place. In your name we pray. Amen. So, the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 begins... Uh, in, in verse 8 of what we, what we kind of call the Christmas story. So Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock. Now, you, we got shepherds living in the field, and now, there's no doubt that, that our God has this thing for sheep and shepherds. You know, the, the mighty King David was a shepherd who looked over you know who watched over a flock of sheep you know and I, and I kind of get where you know if you get into some atheist to, will talk to you and say well he don 't care too much about them because thousands of them were slaughtered I mean so he loves the sheep, and yet it 's the sheep in the Old Testament that when they were slaughtered and the blood was put over the doorpost that it that it saved them from the from the oppression and tyranny of Egypt. You know, it was that blood, and, and it's a valuable thing. He cares for the sheep, but he shows in this that he cares for us more. He cares for people who reject him and do not want anything with, to do with him, and these sheep, you know, in the Old Testament, they are slain for the forgiveness of sin, and all these sheep would point to the ultimate Lamb of God who would take away the, the, the sins of the world. And before the Lamb of God came, he showed himself to shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. See, I mean, nobody in this day and age would care about shepherds. Verse 9, as we keep going. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. The angel of the Lord, he did not go to the king's palace, he didn't go see Caesar. He didn't go see anybody who we thought would would be important. He went to a group of shepherds. An angel of the Lord stood before these shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were greatly afraid. And anytime you read that men encountered angels, it's always a, approached with fear. And you know, he says. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You can't begin to understand until you, until you fear the Lord. And in verse 10, it goes on. The angel said to him, do not be afraid. Okay, this is what he always says because he knows that the people are afraid. He says, don't be afraid because I, before I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Said something so significant right here in the center of history is going to happen. i bring you good tidings. Something amazing is about to happen. And I am not revealing it to the palaces of the world. I'm going to reveal it to these shepherds keeping their flock by night. Verse 11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is the one that the Old Testament books pointed, all those sacrifices pointed to. This is him. He is here. He has arrived. Verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Next verse. Suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God, and here's where the, the title of my service sermon comes from, and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. So, as I was pondering this, you know, the first thing I thought of was the angel's the angels, you know, I, I guess I've never really thought about the angels other than, you know, just them kind of being mighty protectors, angels watching over us. You know, the Alabama song, I believe there are angels among us, you know, that kind of thing. But as I read the story kind of afresh, I see that the angels, there, there's a couple of things that I really admire about them. First is that they are free from envy. And because, you know, we know that, guys, a third of the angels fell from heaven. Lucifer rebelled against God and took a third of the angels with him, and we know them now as demons. And you do not see that the Lord came or that he gave his life or he did anything to redeem those angels. I mean, they fell and they are among us, however that works, but, but they are also in chains. They are bound. They can only do what God allows them to do. And we know from the book of Revelation that Satan will be bound for a thousand years, Reese, then he will be released for a time, and then he will be ultimately destroyed you know so these angels I mean they're seeing what God is doing for men but they didn't do this for the fallen angels or anything like this so they're free from envy you would think that if they were like us that maybe they would take on the attitude of well you didn't do anything for us what's so great about these humans that you would come but these angels are free from envy they are free from pride They are singing to shepherds, not kings. For what if they had made the announcement to someone such as Herod the Great? You know, we know from continuing to read this Christmas story that when he found out that the Savior of the world was born and that a king was born, he sought to destroy him. And in fact, laced in our Christmas story is that horrible, violent act of where he tried to destroy any baby two years and under, and he slaughtered him. So, had the angels revealed this to the king or, or someone in position, you know, they wouldn't have thought, wow, this is wonderful. They would have thought, well, I'm going to keep what's mine. And that whole greed and that whole selfish thing would have continued. But but they gave the good news to the shepherds who were so low. They're just like, this is great news. God came to save me. I live in the time with the Savior of the world. Christ is born. What an amazing thing to see these angels. They don't mind who they're talking to. You know, they don't mind, and I wonder why we're not like this. You know, I see some of my favorite preachers, and and, and I, I love to listen to them. And sometimes when I get a chance, I go, I go see them. But sometimes I find that if it's not going to be a big service, like if it's Memorial Day weekend and people are gone, that they won't come and speak to a lower amount of numbers. You know, this is the time I get and I really want to see my speakers. And they get they get somebody else, some sort of substitute to come in there. And that's my prayer. Lord, I don't care if there's only five people sitting right here. May I always do this like it's 5,000. I don't care. I want to be like these angels, free from envy, looking at anybody else's church and what they have, and free From pride. You know, I don't care who I preach to. We all need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all need encouragement to keep living this. So would to God that we would be a church free from envy and only choose to be who we are. And free from pride. And we don't care about the numbers. We just care about honoring the Lord our God. We should have The same joy with ten people as with a thousand people. But as this song, we look at this song. This song itself is the first Christmas carol. You think about what the angels sang and you think about what we sang. I mean, hundreds, thousands maybe even of Christmas songs have been written. But the angels take credit for the first one. And this song, men can understand. And this song men ought to understand. For this is the foundation the song was built upon. Was that, that Christ has come to save the world. You know through this song. If you understand that man glory to God in the highest. Peace goodwill toward men. Christ has come. Christ the Savior is born. He has come to save the world. And this song. Is divided up into three parts, okay? And the first part we see is the glory to God in the highest. It gives God glory in the highest sense, okay? Because the angels sang before, and it's recorded in the book of Job, chapter 38, starting in verse 4. And I want you to just kind of look. And this is Job at the end of his trial. And God is finally revealing himself to Job after all that suffering. And this is what, Job, uh, this is what God says to Job. He says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Okay? Tell me if you have such understanding, Job. Verse 5. Who determined its measurements? Okay, so this is a precise thing that God did when he created everything. Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? to what were its foundations fastened? You know, we are 93 million miles away from the sun, hanging on nothing. The Earth is the, the moon is 240,000 miles away, hanging on nothing. To what were its foundations fastened? I mean, this is amazing thing. Or who laid its cornerstone? Verse 7, when the morning stars, here it is, when the morning stars sang together, the angels sang at creations. And all the sons of God shouted for joy. So in here, Job, we see that the, that the angels sang together. They sang at the creation of the earth. And how much adoration did they give at the very sight of these new worlds being Created. Well, whatever they sang, it paled in comparison to this Christmas story because they never shouted glory to God in the highest. So when Christ came, they added these words, glory to God in the highest, because higher in goodness, God could not go when He left heaven and took the form of of a baby and came here in such a vulnerable position with people who would seek to destroy him if they knew what he would become. Higher in goodness, God could not know. The songs we sing and the songs we sang this morning, they're great. But, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, we hear that when it comes to the things of heaven, eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which the, that God has prepared for those who love him. So in thinking about this, what is his his highest glory? Well, he's already glorified in everything he's ever created. You know, a couple of weeks ago, right before I preached, you know, I preached that sermon that I kind of really didn't want to preach, but you know, I just took a walk and was trying to draw strength from the Lord and I kind of just walked with my head down, you know, one step at a time. But when I looked up, I saw the most perfect rainbow, you know, and it was, I took a picture of it. And I'm like, just sit there, just sit there in awe. I mean, God was so glorified in that rainbow. He is so glorified in all of his creation. Even like in the spring, summer, you know, when I get up and that sun just starts to rise and it's a little cool In the morning, and you just feel the coolness of that. It's like God is so glorified just in the way that He did the weather, just in the way that He set everything up. Creation just screams the glory of God. But the salvation of man, I mean, how would that look to those angels? Who are infinite. I mean, they've watched God over time. They've watched people reject God. They watched Him offer so great a salvation. They they watched Him offer, you know, these things. And if they would just do, they would be blessed. And they refuse to do them. They choose to serve God's made by human hands. They they just continually reject Him. So the angels have seen this. Seen men reject God. They've watched men kill the prophets. They watched Jeremiah be thrown into prison for for preaching the word of God. He watched Isaiah, you know, be sown in two for what he prophesied and all the stuff for being a prophet. God, they've watched people kill the Lord's prophet. They've watched men not love their Creator. But now here he is showing. His love for them. Not just being a parent saying stop that and quit this. But he's like I am going to come and I'm going to dwell among you. And he's going to show his love to us. God became a man so that he could be just. And become the justifier of those who are ungodly. This is Christianity. Sin must be punished. The wages of sin is death. We have all sinned. We all deserve death. So how can God? He can't just say, "Well, just forget it. Just keep doing whatever you want. I'll let it go." He he must be just and he must punish sin. So he comes himself. And he receives our sin. Us who will give it to him by faith and he pays the price. I mean, this is why he came. He became man so that he could be just and the justifier of the ungodly. So back to the song. You know, we see in that verse that the angels sing, it says, On earth, peace. Okay, if they sang glory to God at creation, they did not add this extra line and on earth, Peace. Because at the beginning of creation, there was peace. There was peace on earth. So there was no need to sing about what already was. But however, man fell. And through the course of time, creation was thrown into turmoil. Okay, When God created this, he says, Adam, you have dominion over all things. You know, and I have this one rule, stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because when that the day you eat of it, you will die. You know, the way that it was created is over and so when he when when Adam ate of that fruit of that tree, he handed dominion over to Satan. He says it is yours now. God gave it to us, we gave it to evil and evil is the dominant ruler of this World today, and we can see it. You don't have to look far. Dominion was handed to Satan. But when Jesus came in the midst of all that evil, you know, peace had arrived. So, glory to God in the highest and on earth, after all these thousands of years of no peace, now there's peace. And who does not have peace, especially amongst the church. You know, I I think of the legalists, and I've done this, the legalists working their way, you know, trying so hard. Well, maybe if I show up to church enough times, or maybe if I read enough verses, or maybe if I do enough good things that God will accept me. No, it takes none of that no more. Peace has arrived. He is peace. Or you think of the one trusting in the law. Well, I'll just keep the Ten Commandments and try to live the best I can. No, you don't have to go there anymore. Peace has come, is here. Or think of the man just who does not know God and who tries to put his trust in everything, on the money, all the success this world has to offer that, that that's fulfilling so temporarily and for just a little while. You know, but that person has no Peace, and he'll never find peace in any of that stuff, but he will find peace in Jesus Christ because he has come. Peace has come. And goodwill towards men. The third part of the song is goodwill towards men. Oh, and we see God as good. I know what it's like to see him As the lightning bolt up there waiting for you to mess up so he can strike you, strike your family. We see him as like an angry, resentful God. And I know I've served that God. And I was miserable. And what if maybe I had just looked at the Christmas story and saw good will toward men. You know, he works all things out for the good of those who love him. And are called according to his his purpose. Because, you know, we see, yes, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear in him. Be afraid of him. Get saved. Fall on your knees. Fall on your face and beg for forgiveness because your condition is a grave one if you are still in your sins. Be afraid of what he could do to you if he wanted, but bow and know that he has good will towards you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but it's his kindness that leads to repentance you know, I know what it's like to be immoral and ask for forgiveness and be immoral and ask for forgiveness. But then you do what he asks you to do and you receive his blessing on your life and it will cause you to bow and not just ask for forgiveness so he doesn't punish you, but it'll cause you to be, God, why did I do this any other way? You only had my best in mind, and here you are blessing me even though I've done nothing but reject you and do what I want to do and ask for forgiveness over and over and over. You have good will towards me. This is amazing. God, there is no one like you. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, in this heart, you've given me peace and you want nothing but good Will from me. It is his kindness that leads to repentance. Maybe you know that you are a swearing cursor of God. He's good to you, not giving you what you deserve for your behavior. You know, you're an infidel who has sinned greatly against the Most High, He has good will towards you, not giving what you deserve. As long as you have a breath, offering you salvation, saying glory to God in the highest, give Him glory. On this earth, He wants you to have peace in your heart. He wants wants nothing but good will for you. You're a sinner who has broken his laws ever so willingly and ever so gladly. He has nothing but good will for you. He has nothing but good will for you. And I know, and here's a wonderful verse for the people who thought like I did so long that God was just out there to get me. Look at Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11. Say unto them, he's telling Ezekiel, tell them, as I live, says the Lord God. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I just want you to tell them. Because I know they're thinking that I'm here sitting there destroying everybody. And thinking I'm just loving every minute. And I want them to know. Man, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Sending somebody to hell, no way I take any pleasure in that. But, here's what I do take pleasure in. That the wicked turns From his way and live. And Christ offers salvation. He says, turn, turn from your evil ways. But why should you die, O house of Israel? You do not have to die in your sin. Christ has come, peace on earth, good will towards men. You know, and people think, well, how can I know For sure. You know, I I mean, I I hear about God all the time. And I see some Christians that are good examples. And I see some Christians that make me think I don't ever want to be one of those. How can I know? Just look inside the manger. If nothing else, look at how that baby boy coming into this world changed everything. Imagine honestly living in a world right now where the Christmas story was non-existent. I mean, I don't even want to be a part of that. The best people I know on the planet are people who have wholeheartedly committed themselves to living by this word and have given their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no one like him. And I know that's kind of short and you know, I knew I would be short because I'm already wanting to cough so bad. I can't stand it. But, you know, I'm, praying, I'm holding it in. And you've simply just seen my feeble attempt to magnify these verses. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. Goodwill toward men. That's my, that's my attempt to magnify these verses. No man could adequately convey all that's contained in these verses. I've read these guys just almost in duty, almost in boredom. But I read them this week just in awe and wonder at how amazing this is. And Marcus, if uh, uh, you and Mickey want to go ahead, Mickey probably need a little more time, you know, to hobble on up here. But um, but what what now? What now? Look at these words in Luke chapter two, verse fifteen. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. Okay, so the angels came, they sang glory to God in the highest. And I mean, then they then they left. I mean, they came, they did their part. And what should the shepherd's response be? They've just heard something wonderful. And I see this in church all the time. You hear something wonderful. I think. Everybody in church wants to hear something great. They want to hear an anointed man of God bring the word. They want to to feel something. They want to hear something. They, they, They want this. But what do you do with it afterwards? I mean, that's the heart to me kind of of Christianity. Yes, Christ has come, but what do you do with him? Do you reject him? Do you continually just do what you want over and over? Or do you receive that peace on earth and that goodwill toward men? The shepherds said to one another. This is what they were going to do about it in verse 16. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So they said, you know what? They made this announcement. Let's go see. So to us, what do we do with this? Christ has come. Have you received him? It is now for you time to come and see. Come and find out. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just let this message be something you hear and leave saying that was nice. Let this message be something that sinks into your heart and that you go out and live Because there is no one like him.